Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Ooh. Amen. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? Satisfied, someone said? You looked on the screen, that's why. <laughs> awesome. It is so um, good to be with you guys um, this morning. Uh, as Pastor Ray said, we uh, decided, um, myself, not just myself, but um, other members of the pastoral team, Pastor Crawford, Pastor Charlie Ray, um, we got together and just um, the last uh, few months we've just been uh, talking about and praying about um, what God wants us to speak about, right? What God wants us to, um, whoops, excuse me, y'all. I thought I had it on right initially. We'll work with that. Um, but yeah, so um, we've, we've been meeting together and been praying about what God wants us to speak. And um, we believe we landed on this series, Satisfied. And I think for a few reasons, right? One, um, from personal experience, uh, I've experienced dissatisfaction, right? Anybody else can relate? Um, experience dissatisfaction in some kind of way in life. And so I am well acquainted knowing that uh, I've experienced that. And so I am longing with the rest of you uh, in my journey with wanting to follow God in being satisfied. This is an ongoing journey. This isn't to say, I don't stand before in front of you saying, hey, I'm completely satisfied, completely understanding the full complexities of, of, of that. Um, but I will say this, that in my life, I have experienced satisfaction in the Lord. I've experienced satisfaction in God, and I recognize that, man, like, I've, in my short time of living, I've experienced God's goodness, God's faithfulness, right, God's care and compassion towards me. And so I've found that God, no matter what I've been able to acquire on this side of eternity, I've experienced God's goodness above all else. Anybody can say amen to that? And so I believe that this series is to help us to not only understand that God is the one who satisfies, but uh, later in the next few weeks, we'll be learning how to cultivate satisfaction, right? Because uh, if I can say this, um, gratification, right, short-term happiness, right, that's kind of like a sprint, right? That's like this immediate, quick kind of momentary, this is great, this is awesome, this season that I'm in is amazing, but guess what? It doesn't carry out. And so satisfaction is more like a marathon, right? So while we might not always experience the immediate benefits of maybe cultivating our relationship with God, experiencing God's satisfaction, over time we find our joy increasing. Anybody want their joy increasing? In the Lord, right? That's, that's everybody. And so um, that's kind of where we're going. And then last thing, I think the summertime especially. Summertime can be a time where we escape from uh, previous seasons, right? So we're like, man, school year was hard with kids, right? If your parents, uh, just this season where things are opening up, you're like, man, I'm ready to go back to my favorite restaurant. I'm ready to get back out there. And sometimes while God does give good gifts, it could be uh, a way to sort of escape and not really be uh, introspective or checking our hearts to see, God, where, where are my disappointments at? God, where is my heart towards you? God, where is my heart towards my family? God, where is my heart towards the kingdom and the things that you want for me? And so I want us to pay attention that while we're going into the summer enjoying rest, relaxation, God's good gifts, uh, pray and ask God, be attentive to what God is doing in your heart. 
Be attentive to what God wants to do in your heart. And so uh, would you pray this with me? Dear Lord. Dear Lord. Yep, yep. Dear Lord. Satisfy me in you, in Jesus' name. Um, so for those that were at Wissahickon last night, you guys heard this already, but um, this was kind of my intro. So, um, oh, by the way, just in case anybody's stumbling, I am not a Yankees fan. I don't, I don't want the word of God to hinder in your heart. I'm not a Yankees fan. I just, I, I like the hat. So just in case, let's get that out the way. Um, but anyone who knows me knows that I like to eat, knows that I like food. Um, and yeah, and so uh, my favorite meal is brunch. Anybody else? Brunch, breakfast, right? You guys all know what brunch is? I'll pray for you if you don't because it's amazing. Um, so go experience that after church if you have that opportunity. But basically it's a combination between breakfast and lunch, and it's uh, really good. But anyway, me and my wife, we like to uh, <laughs> try different restaurants. And uh, one of the great things about living in Philadelphia is that you have an enormous uh, selection to choose from, right? From uh, Mexican to uh, New American to Italian, and then they kind of like combine stuff, right? Like Thai fusion and all this other stuff. And so it's really awesome uh, if you live in Philadelphia to be able to have all of that at your disposal. And one of the things that me and my wife do, we will uh, go out to eat. And before we do, unless it's like a favorite uh, restaurant of ours, we will research to make sure that where we're going is legit, right? Because there's something about bad food that just uh, uh, makes me not act like a Christian. And so um, we will research and make sure that the restaurant is like four stars and above, right? So Yelp, anybody familiar? Yes, right? So we will look on Yelp or we'll ask our friends or people that are kind of like us that share that uh, love for food and ask them, you know, have you found any new places? And they tell us and we'll try it out. And every now and then, not all the time, but every now and then, uh, my wife and I will go out to eat and then we'll order and like we'll ask the wait waitress or waiter for a recommendation and they're like, yeah, try this, try this. And every now and then we get our food and after eating it, my wife and I'll be like, so what did you think? And, we're, and there's been moments where we're like, that was just okay. And that's kind of one of the worst experiences um, if you like going out to eat because if you're like, especially if you're paying money, right? Like sometimes food is not cheap. And I feel like it's gone up significantly over like the last five years or so. And so when you're paying for food, you want to enjoy it. Amen. Right? You don't want to pay for food and then not enjoy it. And so there's moments where we're just kind of sitting back. We're like, that was just okay. There was nothing amazing about it, right? And, um, and usually we won't end up going back. End of story, right? <laughs> but um, but I, I think there's something to learn from that, that there are moments where whether it was in our minds, whether it was suggested from outside sources or um, whether we just kind of imagine that it would be amazing, all of us, whether it's sin, right, things that are bad that God says are bad, or whether it's good things that God has given us that we overindulge in, there are moments where we experience dissatisfaction, where the things that we thought would complete us, satisfy us, make us content, do not actually fulfill and so there are moments where we have to ask ourselves, listen, do I just keep going down that path? Do I keep uh, trying this thing? Do I keep uh, indulging in this sin? Do I keep just acquiring things? Or is there something better that God has for us? 
Well, I'm here to say that God does have better for us. And so uh, join me in your Bibles uh, to Isaiah 55. And that'll be on the screen. Isaiah 55, verse 1 to 3. I'll give you a second to get there. When you get there, you can say amen. Let me know not to rush you. Isaiah 55, verse 1 to 3. The word of the Lord says this, starting in verse 1. It says, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Say satisfy. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the riches of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. So when we, we look at that, my, uh, my first point for you guys today is that satisfaction is not a stuff issue, but a soul issue. Satisfaction is not a stuff issue, but a soul issue. When we look at Isaiah 55, verse 1 and 3, I want to give you guys a little bit of background. Uh, God, through the prophet Isaiah, speaking to his people, right? His people uh, were meant to be a light to the rest of the world, meaning that they were meant to be an example of God's love. They were meant to show the world that God had a plan to save not only them, but the rest of the world. And God made some rules and standards, right? He said, listen, if you're going to be my people, because you have this great responsibility, there's some things to obey, but the obedience was actually meant to cultivate relationship. It wasn't to kill their joy. It wasn't meant to just kind of restrict them, right? It was actually a pathway to joy. And the people, unfortunately, they decided to see what all the other people around were doing, right? All the other nations, they saw that they had kings, they had other gods, they seemed to be enjoying themselves a lot more, um, at least in their minds, right? And eventually, they cultivated a lifestyle of doing that for so long that eventually God had to step in and say, listen, like, um, I I need to discipline you. Because God, as, as their loving father, knows that when we run after things that are no good, it creates destruction in us and also those around us. And so God promised, he said, listen, if you keep going down this path, you'll be disciplined. And eventually God told them, listen, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be in a land that's not your own. And this is meant to discipline you, and eventually you will be brought back to me, right? It's meant to cultivate them realizing their sin, realizing the ways they have lost their love, and to come back to God. And so God tells them, listen, eventually this is what's going to happen. And then he tells them, but I'm going to bring you back, right? God doesn't only discipline us. He actually is gracious enough to bring us back, right? And so... God finally tells them after this uh, season called exile, he says, uh, come all you who are thirsty. I recognize you're disciplined um, and maybe you're feeling dejected in some sort of way, but come back to me, right? It was an invitation to come back to God. 
And unfortunately, the people, like we do sometimes, and parents, you might relate to this, the people took God's discipline as neglect or rejection, right? I saw a video uh, recently this week, and it was a, a, <laughs> it was a, a kid who was trying to run away from home, right? And he didn't really have much. He had like a backpack and uh, his baseball bat. And I'm like, I, I don't know how that's gonna, how you're gonna survive with just that. But um, his dad is shouting, he's like, wait, like, where are you going? He's like, you don't love me. And he's like, I took away your video game. And he's like, it's the same thing. And, <laughs> and uh, the dad was like, no, it's not. And so, in the same way, Israel, they're thinking that because God disciplined them, that somehow it meant that God didn't love them, right? And that's true sometimes for us. Sometimes we find ourselves dissatisfied and then we blame God. We're saying, God, man, you, you said I'd be satisfied. Why am I dissatisfied? And also, also many times God is saying, man, let's, let's focus on what's going on in the heart. So anyway, God is telling his people, he's saying, no, like, don't go after other gods because that's what the people decided to do. They're like, God, you rejected me. You don't love me. I'm going to go and find me another God to serve. I'm going to go find something else to satisfy my life because apparently you don't love me. You neglected me. And God's like, listen, you're my child. You've always been my child. Come if you're thirsty. Those gods that you're going after won't satisfy and so in verse 1, he says, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. And in the book of Isaiah, there's a lot of poetry. So it's not merely God saying, oh, you're buying old bread, right? He's not saying, oh, uh, that uh, grape juice or that wine expired, so come get some better wine, right? No, it's poetic language to describe God himself as being satisfying. So he's saying, listen, don't go after other gods. Don't go after things that won't satisfy. Come to me because I've always been the thing that satisfied you. And in fact, I've always been the one that blessed you. I've always been the one that provided for you. I'm always the one that protected you and took care of you, that gave you peace when you were anxious, that gave you love when you were lonely. So don't go after these things. And I wonder for us this morning, what, what do we turn to? When we find ourselves in those places, whether we're disappointed in God, whether we're uh, discouraged at life, right? Whether we find ourselves feeling dejected and lonely, whether the expectations that we've had of others don't match up to what we thought, what are we turning to in those moments? Because the truth of the matter is that that verse declares that God actually wants to satisfy Right? God doesn't lay out the promise of satisfaction because he's like, man, I want to dangle a carrot in front of your face. He's like, no, I actually want to satisfy you. That's why he's saying, why are you going after things that don't when I'm right here? Uh, Psalm 1611 uh, says this, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So we see that God's presence satisfies. God actually has joy. When we cultivate a relationship with God, when we spend time with God in his presence, when we uh, begin to fill our minds with the word of God and be able to see who God is more clearly, man, we find that there's no place that we would rather be than with God. And that doesn't mean, guys, because I know sometimes we think of this as Christians, does that mean that uh, joy is only in reading my Bible? 
That joy is only in praying for three hours. Is joy only in coming to church? And I want to say those things are pathways of joy. But notice what the song said. I believe it said, it said everything. I'm not even going to try to butcher it. But basically the song, one of the songs that we sung, it says, you, like, you're everything or God be my everything. Right? So God is not just limited to our religious acts. He's, he wants actually his entire presence in everything we do, every place we go, everything we do to be filled with God. And so I ask this again. What are you being filled with? What, are this, what is the stuff in your life that you're filling yourself up with? And so let me, let me give you some uh, kind of ideas in our culture. I know for me, I, I shared this last night. That oftentimes when I feel uh, lonely or anxious or frustrated, um, there's a term that I found out uh, called retail therapy. Anybody heard of that? Right? So whether it's like a new pair of sneakers, whether it's just uh, some gadget that uh, you don't need, um, right, that might be awesome. I'm not knocking people that buy stuff. Um, One of the, the interesting things about Amazon because my wife and I were Amazon Prime members, um, such a blessing. And uh, Amazon will suggest things at times that you don't even need, but somehow you end up buying it, right? Like you're like, why do I need this? Like I, yeah, I have no need for this. You'll be buying stuff for your car and you don't even own a car, right? Like it, it's one of those things where they just present it so well that you're just like, yes, click, add to cart. It'll be here in two days and I'll get to enjoy it someday because I don't have a car. Um, But uh, the reality of it is, for me, that's what I tend to do, right? Being honest, those are moments where when I'm anxious, I got to be careful. I got to watch my heart because those are moments where rather than turning to God, I find myself uh, turning to those things. And and what is it for you? So it might be material possessions. For some of us, it might be that we're being filled in those moments or we're seeking to be filled through successes Maybe applauses, right? Someone saying how great you did at your job or maybe, some, maybe uh, your kids saying, man, mom, thanks for that meal. Or uh, your friends being like, man, you're such a good friend, whatever it is. And, and hear me, those things are not bad in and of themselves. But oftentimes we tend to make those things our hope. Like, man, if I could just get someone to validate me and who I am, if I could just get the boss to notice uh, what I'm doing at the job, if I could just... Uh, climb this milestone, if I could just get this promotion, then man, my life will be set and I will be good. But we all know what happens on the other side of that, right? When we've gotten that, there's this kind of like low feeling in the same way I described with the restaurant, right? There's this kind of like lull, like man, like that didn't do it, right? And I believe what God is showing us through that, while God is saying there are good gifts, man, listen, I want you guys to be successful at your jobs. I want you to work hard. I want you to do all of the things that God is calling you to do. I want you to enjoy time with your family. I want you to do all of these things. But at the same time, we got to be careful that those things do not become the ends to a means, if that makes sense. That those things don't become our ultimate pursuit. And so in those moments where you're anxious, Would you ask God, God, in this moment, what do I tend to go to? God, what do I tend to run after? Some of us, maybe that's not you, but for for others, we seek to be filled. And God help us through religious acts absent of a relationship with God. 
And I, I believe at certain times, depending on where you're at, you might have thought in your mind, man, if I could just read my Bible more, if I could just pray longer, if I could just be uh, more uh, committed to uh, church and being there every single Sunday, then, man, I'll, I'll be good. Me and God will connect. God will bless me, and everything will be great. And notice at the end of that, I, I didn't say just spending time with God or, or, or practicing religious things is wrong. But it's absent of a relationship with God. See, oftentimes, and I've done this as well, we open our Bibles, and rather than the goal be to see Jesus, rather than the goal to be satisfied with who God is, rather than to see, man, God's love and understand God better, we open it almost sort of in a uh, attempts to sort of be like, I did my Bible reading for the day. Right? Or to pray and say, listen, someone's going to hold me accountable. They're going to ask me, how you been doing, brother? How, how, how's your relationship with God? And you want to be able to say, yeah, I, you know, I prayed this morning, right? Or maybe we're just trying to quench that deep dissatisfaction in our hearts and just saying, man, if I could just read more, if I could pray more, that'll fill that hole. And God's like absent of a relationship with me, it won't work. And so this is some sobering truth that Jesus says to uh, the religious leaders of his day. In Matthew 15, 18, you don't have to turn there, but it says, uh, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Notice what Jesus says there. He says, not that honoring me with their lips is wrong, but he says, honoring me with their lips. We, we, we just sang songs about Jesus, right? Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's amazing. I want to encourage you, worship God more, worship God in your private time. But he says, you honor me with your lips, you worship me, but your hearts are far from me. And so we all have done it. We all can be in that place where we're singing songs to God, but we're not believing what we're singing. Or we find ourselves not being honest to God. Like, God, I really feel dry right now, but I'm going to sing this song because people are watching or because I feel like this is what I have to do. And I'm not saying stop that, but I am saying be honest with the Lord. Ask God to do some heart work and check your heart of where you're at, saying, God, am I, am I lifting your name up because I want to know you better, because I love you, because I see how great you are? Or am I just kind of going through the motions? John 5, verse 39, uh, Jesus says this about Bible reading to uh, the people of his day, religious leaders again. And he says, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have life. Right? Searching the scriptures, reading the Bible is not bad. He says, but you search the scriptures thinking that in them, the scriptures themselves, you have life. But the scriptures testify of me. You see that? The scriptures are actually a pathway to Jesus himself. They're not just an ends to a means. They're not just, we read the Bible because that's what we do as Christians. We're aiming to see Jesus when we open God's word. And so if you've been spending time with the Lord in prayer or worship or whatever you're doing, my prayer is that you would ask God, God, would you search my heart? God, would you make the end goal not to be just to do it, but that I might be satisfied in you, that I might see you as beautiful, that I might see you as amazing, that I might see you as wonderful? Because it's possible, and it's also what God desires for you. Um, this, this last one, um, unfortunately, this is the reality of us all. 
um, that oftentimes, again, we seek good gifts and we misuse or abuse them. Um, so my dad, I love him dearly. Um, my dad uh, got a smartphone um, not too long ago. And uh, I get calls uh, from my parents, my dad and my mom, um, at various times to help them with their phones. Anybody else? Yeah? I, I'm, I don't know how I got this position, y'all, but I've just became the tech person for my family. And, um, and it's fun. I enjoy it or whatever. And it's just, it's really funny seeing my dad uh, work his phone. And he's gotten better. Um, pray for him. But uh, oftentimes, I remember my dad wanting to get his flashlight on his phone on. And in my mind, I'm like, this is simple. Like, this is just slide down, flashlight's right there, hit it, and it's on, right? And no, my dad wanted the icon to be on his homepage, like the actual icon. He's like, no, I need to see it, and it's not there. I did an update. What happened? They destroyed my phone, right? And I'm like, dad, relax. Like, it's okay. You still have access to your flashlight. Um, But for him, he was frustrated because in his mind, this is how it was supposed to work. Right. In his mind, this is how it was supposed to work. And uh, I kept telling him, listen, Dad, Apple makes their phone a certain way. So you have to learn how to do it Apple's way. Right. You can't be mad because you had expectations of how the flashlight was supposed to work and they didn't make it according to the way you liked it. No, you have to learn. That's what technology is. Right. And so um, thankfully, he's, he's gotten better. But I, th- I think that's a lot like us as well, right? Um, if I have a car and I were to drive my car into the Schuylkill, right? Foolishness, right? But in my mind, if I thought, man, if I'm thinking of my car like, yo, I've seen submarines, they're able to go into the water, go under, and they're cool, right? But if I mistake my car thinking that it can do the same thing, like, it'll be problems, Right? And I think for a lot of us, we do that as well. We take the good things of God, and because we don't understand how they work, we either overindulge in them or we put them at a level that God did not intend them to be, right? And so whether that's relationships, whether that's, again, money, job, like these are all good gifts from God, right? The Bible says in Psalm somewhere, he says, listen, I've, or James, he says, God gives good gifts, right? The good things you have, your family, your job, your money, your ministry, all of those things are good. But when we misuse them or think of them in a way that they're not supposed to be used or put them at a level that they're not supposed to be, then we find ourselves dissatisfied and then we shake our fists at God like, God, why did you give me this thing? And we, we see this in the garden, right? Adam, when he sinned, what was the first thing Adam did when he got caught? Y'all remember? Huh? <laughs> Sorry, the masks are a little hard to hear, but all good. He, he blamed Eve, right? And he, he says to God, like, God, look at this woman, this woman you gave me, right? Like, she's the reason why I'm in this position. This is why I feel guilty and shameful and, or ashamed, and it's her fault. And so we do that all the time. We take the things of God, and when they don't work out in our favor, we misuse them. We blame God almost for the things that he's given us and say, God, why would you give me uh, this job if it wasn't going to be satisfying? God, why would you give me this spouse if we're going to argue? God, why would you give me uh, money if, if you knew it was going to be dissatisfying? And really, the problem is that God has given these things as good gifts. God expects us to steward these things well, but oftentimes we take it, we make an idol out of it. Oftentimes, we, we put it to a level that it's not meant to be. 
And so the problem isn't that you're thirsty. Because notice in that verse it said, come all who are thirsty, right? It's an invitation. It's not that you're thirsty, but where are you getting your drink from? Right? What, what is your source? Right? Is, is, are, are you drinking from a well that actually can fill you? Are you drinking from a well that can actually satisfy you? Are you drinking from a well that has uh, temporary limits, right? Or maybe it's sin for a lot of us. Everyone has a sin that they struggle with. Like, are you, are you finding yourself satisfied or temporary, gra- temporarily gratified by that thing and then finding yourself empty and dry? The beautiful thing is that God actually has a plan for you to be satisfied. Notice what he says when he says, come all you who are thirsty. He doesn't say, uh, he doesn't say why are you thirsty? He doesn't say, how did you get there? He doesn't start uh, beating them down to say, man, if you would have just had packed an extra gallon of water, you wouldn't be thirsty, right? Like he doesn't beat them about why they're thirsty. He just makes the invitation, And so for many of us, if you're thirsty here today, like the answer isn't trying, oh, let me figure out how I got here. Let me try to go back five steps and figure out why I'm dissatisfied. Maybe it was not so much that I uh, worked too hard at the job. Maybe it was because uh, I need to be here more with my family. Or we start to kind of like maneuver our lives around to figure out what went wrong. And God's uh, remedy is not... Ricky, you figure it out. Ricky, you reposition your life. It's no, come to me directly, that I am the source for you to be satisfied. And so uh, my next point, satisfaction requires a savior. All of us at one point or another have tried to reorient our lives in some way. All of us have tried to make uh, changes to our lives. And we've really, all we've been doing, guys, is behavior modification or repositioning our priorities, which is helpful but I, I do feel like there's a better way. Uh, turn with me to uh, John 7, verse 37. John 7, 37. Jesus says this, um, he had spent some time in this festival, Jewish festival, and then on the last day, he cries out. And he says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from them. Verse 39, by this he meant the spirit whom he believed, who, those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been yet glorified. And so Jesus fulfills this passage. When he says in Isaiah, God says, come to me all who are thirsty. Jesus actually is saying, come to me. Not come get the good gifts that I've given. Come to me personally. We receive living water when we put our trust in Jesus. For many of us, maybe we've done that, but over time we've we've started to move away from the gospel. We've uh, moved away from being satisfied in God, remembering what God has done for us. 
And so that invitation is to you as well, whether you, this is your first time hearing that God loves you, that God desires you to enter into a relationship with, there's satisfaction for you to have. And for those who are believers, there is satisfaction for you to continue to grow in, which we'll talk about in the next few weeks. And we'll end here, Jeremiah 31, verse 31 to 34, if you could turn there. This is the culmination of what Jesus desired to do in us. That Jesus is not just after our behavior. He's not just after changing our outward systems. Jesus is actually after something more. He's after change on the inside. Jeremiah 31, starting in verse 31. This is the promise in Isaiah where he says, I will make you, I will make a covenant with you. Jesus says this, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant or promise with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. I don't have time to unpack that, but that that includes Christians as well. The Bible says if we're in Christ, we kind of receive those same blessings. Verse 32, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant or promise, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And no longer will they teach their neighbor to say to one another, know the Lord, because they all will know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. And here's why. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Notice what Jesus says in verse 33 that God is speaking through there. He says, what I'm going to do is a heart check. I'm going to do a surgery on their heart. I'm going to give them a new heart because God knew that because of sin, Adam and Eve sin, right? Sin entered the world and all of us willingly participate in that in one way or another in some of the ways that I've mentioned earlier. And because of that, God knew that the issue wasn't just fixing the external stuff, right? Those who own houses, you could paint your house all you want, but if there are foundational issues, if there are cracks, if there are termites, whatever it is, eventually that will crumble. And so God was not just after external fixing. He wanted to do a change on the inside because God knew that if you change the inside, the rest of their behavior will change as well. Not that that, was what, not that that was what God was after, but that's the consequence of having a changed heart. We, our lives will look differently. And so God is after our affections, our minds, our wills. And so God needed to do something deeper than just an external uh, job of our lives. And so this is the promise. If you would turn from your sin, if you would put your trust in Jesus, God will make a new heart in you. And if you are a believer and feeling dry in this season, this is the promise that God has made with you. And so you can continue to ask God to fill you. Notice what Jesus says. He says, living waters will continually flow from you. That's an endless supply. And, and, and my heart for you guys today is that, that you would take advantage of that. Because God, God, is, God is literally saying, come if you're thirsty. Like if you're thirsty, don't pretend that you're not. Right? Like if you're thirsty, don't act like you're not dry. Right? If you're thirsty, don't, don't say, oh, man, but I could keep going a little bit longer. No. 
admit that this is where you're at and confess and say, God, listen, I need you. God, I'm dissatisfied. God, these things can't satisfy me. Lord, I've been going after sin that won't satisfy. God, would you fill me? God, would you satisfy me? And so we did this last night. If, if everyone can uh, just close your eyes and as a symbol of, of, of looking to God for, for satisfaction, would you just uh, kind of extend your hands? You don't have to extend it super far, right? Keep it right here at the chest. And in your own way, would you talk to God right now? If maybe you've been uh, going after sin and, and maybe you've just been deceived into thinking that those things will fill you. Man, would you just repent of that? That just means to admit that you've sinned against God and, and you're saying, God, would you help me to turn from this in your power, not mine? Maybe you're here and you haven't put your faith in Jesus. And maybe if you're online and you haven't put your faith in Jesus, know that God is the only one that can satisfy you. He's forgiven you of all your sins. And he wants a relationship with you here and in the next life. And so would you put your trust in him? Would you say, God, forgive me of my sin? God, I put my trust in you as my Lord, my Savior. And maybe you're a believer. Maybe you've just been going through the motions. Maybe you've been, you know, reading and praying, and maybe you've just kind of been doing it out of, out of rote and repetition and just kind of doing it because that's what you know you're supposed to do. I'm not saying stop those things, but I encourage you. Would you say, God, fill me? So that this time with you that we spend, would it be satisfying? God, would I see you as beautiful? Would I be filled with joy in knowing you? And God, would you fill us all, Lord? We all need you in some measure or another, God. We're never complete, God. And yet there, there is a tension in that, God, that we can be satisfied, God. You've given us your Holy Spirit for those who are in Christ, and so God, we want to bank on that promise, God. You promised living water, God, to spring inside of us. And so God, would you fill us? Would you fill your people, Lord? Father, would everyone walk out here knowing that they can be satisfied in you? Would they experience that, God? And so Lord, satisfy us in you, God. Pull us away from everything that would try to deceive us into thinking that it's better than you, God. And so, Father, we, we thank you. We look forward to you fulfilling that prayer and that promise, God, that you've given us. And, Father, we love you. Teach us to love you more, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at roxboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.